training, you guys. Be loud. I like it. Hey, happy Super Bowl. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. I'm so happy to see so many people come out today with the snow and the game and everything. I'm just proud of you for making a church today. Yeah, you can give yourself a hand. Just, I mean, well done. We got up. We took a shower. We're in church. It's going to be a good day. How many Eagles fans do we have? Couple, couple, couple. Okay. How many, uh, any team but the Patriots fans do we have? Okay. How many Patriots fans do we have? The church service is finished for you. You may exit the bill. Exits on the left and right in the back. I'm just kidding. I'm glad you're here, buddy. <laughs> oh, puppy bull. Oh, don't get me going on that. This Pastor Brian texted me this morning. Um, he was praying for me and we were talking a little bit. He wanted me to make sure that you guys knew that he's thinking about you today. He's off on taking a little time off, getting a little recuperation, hopefully getting a little tan because he is white. He needs it, right? Amen. It's okay. We can say that while he's not here. He doesn't listen to the podcast. So he's away, but he wanted me to tell you guys that he loves you. He misses you today, and you're in his thoughts. How many people were excited about last week's sermon? Right? I... I'm pumped about this sermon series. I am excited about this. We are in a sermon. If you missed last week or maybe you're downstairs or you didn't catch the podcast, we are in a sermon right now about becoming a disciple of Jesus, following the way of Jesus, to use the Hebrew word, to become a Talmudim of Jesus, right? And we have about three, we have three, next three weeks, we're going to be going over a couple different things. First of all, we're going to be with him which leads to becoming like him, and eventually it will lead to be doing what he did. Maybe you deduce today we're going to be talking about being with him, okay? And we're going to scratch the surface and put a little meat to the bones and add a little bit of content to what we're talking about today. And I'm going to share with you, just to start things off, we just got to go to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. This is probably very familiar to many of you, but this verse has been very formative in my life. It's one of my life, one of my three life verses that I keep, and it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Verse 6, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Today we're really going to be talking about the acknowledging him in all of our ways. So today's kind of unique for me, okay? So I, I am not preaching out of a place of authority on this subject. Today I'm really coming to you um, as a student and often a failing student, all right, in this subject. This is a hard one for me. I, I don't feel like I've mastered it. I don't feel like um, it's necessarily my life story yet, but it's something that has become so important to me that I've realized the, it affects everything. It changes everything. And in my study time, this is, this is gonna, this is more of a testimony today. Okay, an hour and a half long testimony. Okay, not an hour and a half. 45 minutes? No, we'll go 30 minutes. Okay, 30 minutes. We're not going to derail the train while Pastor Brian's gone. Okay, this is more of just, this is what I'm learning in the past couple weeks and months of studying for this subject of being with Jesus, with being with Christ. And today is really um, a lot of what God's been teaching me. And this really came to a head a couple of weeks ago. We were in a staff meeting, and um, it was one of those meetings that it was supposed to be an hour long, but 
turned into a two and a half hour long meeting. Okay. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced that. They're riveting. It's exciting. Okay. So we got into this and we're, we're just going down all these different paths. And it can, the conversation came to this place of what are you expecting to see God do in your life and in your ministry this year, in your department? And everybody's going around the table and sharing. It's so good to hear. And it came up to be my turn. And I got up and I started talking. And as soon as I stood up, my eyes started stinging a little bit. My voice got shaky a little bit. And I start blubbering and crying like an idiot, okay? And I'm just sitting there and saying, <laughs> Jesus, okay? And I'm just crying, crying. And what happened is that in the last couple weeks of preparing for this sermon and in reading books and listening to other sermons and teachers on this subject of being with Christ, I realized that something had been growing in me in the last year that I hadn't recognized until a couple weeks ago. And it's this feeling of dissatisfaction, of being unsatisfied with my life. And here's the thing. I have an amazing life, okay? I'm going to brag on it for a couple minutes. I have an amazing wife right here that hates that I'm pointing at her right now, okay? You do not understand how truly I do not deserve this woman, okay? You don't understand the craziness that is Josh Wen till you've been married to me, in the, right? Okay, I have her. I have a beautiful little 17-month-old daughter that is both beautiful and she growls all the time like a bear and can put her mother under the table during dinner time, okay? I love that. I trained that in her. She, I, we are about 14 weeks into baby number two coming along. We're pretty pumped and excited about that. And uh, I have a 2006 Toyota Sienna, baby. Okay? Maybe, maybe that doesn't mean a lot to you, but to me, my next car, I wanted a car. These were the requirements. All the doors would open from the outside. Okay? The oil wouldn't leak. Fumes wouldn't come into the cab. And bonus, if the air conditioning works... I'm living it. And I got all those things. I'm rolling in it, baby. Okay, my life is good. I got the van, okay? I, it's kind of funny. As soon as I got it, I kind of became the church Uber, right? Like, people are like, hey, can you go pick up these signs? Can you go pick up the suck? Can you go pick? The Lurives made me drive on my day off to pick them up from the airport, like all 20 of them, okay? Like, I became, it's okay. It's okay. But something that I realize in this van, it has a lot more room, okay? And the engine has a lot more room. And I came out one day after we've had it for a couple weeks, and I saw a squirrel look at me, and it ran away. But it didn't run anywhere. I thought, that's weird. What the world? And then I hear it inside my van engine going, like, ah! Right? And I'm smacking the van, and I honk the horn. I'm like, get out! Okay, and it runs away. And so I open up the van... And half of the engine is filled with leaves and cotton. And I've been driving I don't know how long. And I'm so thankful it didn't start a fire, right? And I, there's acorns and all this stuff. And they chew through some wires. And I'm like, ah! Right? Sometimes we don't know what's underneath until we pop the hood and look at it. And this is really kind of where I'm going today, is that I didn't know what was underneath until I popped the hood and looked at it. Pastor Randy talked a couple weeks ago on being a lampstand, talked about the church of Ephesus in uh, Revelations 2, about the church that lost its first love, right? And I realized that over the course of the last year, I realized this, number two, Last month, somebody asked me to go to dinner with them, and they invited my family over. I said, oh, I'd love to go to dinner with you. I'd love to come over. I said, my month's looking busy. We're going to have to push this off till February. Okay? And I stopped in that moment and realized 
that a year ago at Christmas time, I had said the exact same thing. I remember a year ago saying, life is so busy. If I can just push through the Tyler Elementary School drop and the Christmas services and the seven Christmas parties we had and traveling to Indiana, if I can just push through all that, I can rest in January. And then January come, I said, if I can just, and all these things popped up. And if I can just push through January, then, and I'd said that every month for a whole year until it's January again, I'm saying the same thing. And I realized that I've moved from a place of devotion to duty with my God. I'm doing a lot of good things. My life is really good right now. I cannot complain at all. I I get to do ministry full time. I get to hang out with your college and middle school and high school students. And I love that, right? But it's so easy to move from a place of devotion to a place of duty, And I moved from that place of this is a work to God to this is a work to man. I moved that in my life. And that was the warning signs for me this last year, the last couple weeks, is that you're not satisfied in what you're doing. Why? I had to pop the hood and look underneath. And that's what this sermon is for me. So can we just start with prayer? And so, Father, we just come to you right now. Lord, I just pray that you would just... um, Help me to speak clearly, Lord. Just help me to communicate the best way possible, God, the message that you want to speak to your people this morning. I pray that we'd be passionate, God, that we would see the light at the end of the tunnel, God, that we would get on the road, the path to being your disciple. Bless our leader as he's away on vacation. I pray, God, that you would just restore him and bring him back filled with your spirit and filled with good words to speak over us. Bless your congregation as we get into your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So point one, if you're taking points today or notes today, is this. The life you have is a direct result of the lifestyle you live. Dot, dot, dot. Duh. Okay? I hate the word duh. Okay? I, I hate it so much. Growing up, I, people would say, you know, duh. Right? I hate that. And it was, I hate it because it's like, um, you're so unintelligent, I have to dumb down my insults to you into a three-letter word that is just a sound, really. Duh. Right? I hate that. But when I came upon this thought... It was like that to me. How did it take me 30 years to realize that (laughs) the life I get is a result of the lifestyle I live? Duh. Like, it's so easy, right? The life I have is the lifestyle I live. Albert Einstein's accredited with saying that the definition of of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and expecting a different result, right? If I'm not satisfied with my life, if I'm feeling a little dissatisfied, if something's wrong, relations are wrong, I'm just feeling off, I can't just keep living the same lifestyle, expecting for something to change. And so that's where we're coming into this conversation about being a disciple of Jesus. Because when I got into that conversation with staff, because I was deep into a couple books and looking at the ministry of Jesus and looking at his life and the practices he put into place, I said, that is a lifestyle that is satisfying. That life is the life that I want to live. We see Jesus being present in the moment. We see him living in community. We see him studying scripture, praying constantly, teaching, keeping the Sabbath. He feasted and celebrated with his friends. He celebrated simple living. He slept, 
Like, anybody in here want to sleep a little more? Like, in the raging storm, where was Jesus? He's sleeping in the bow of the boat. Like, Jesus, wake up, we're in a crisis. But he's just sleeping. Like, I'd like to sleep, right? But overall, and one of the biggest things I love seeing about Jesus is that he was obsessed with being in the Father's presence. In the midst of the crowd, he was in the Father's presence. In his time alone in the secret place, he was in the presence. When he was going to the cross, he saw the presence of God. Doesn't matter what life's happening. He's just seeking God's presence. This series, you're going to be going down the road of being a Talmudim, a disciple, a, a, an apprentice of Jesus, learning the lifestyle of Jesus. If I want the life of Jesus, I have to put the practices of Jesus into my life. In the next couple sermons, next couple weeks, you're going to get into some of those practices of fasting. We just went through 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's a practice of Jesus. Getting away to your quiet time, that's a practice of Jesus. Um, Living simply, teaching others, living in community, these are all practices of Jesus. Things he did with his life, that's how we live them. And we're going to go down those roads. But today's sermon specifically Going back to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, says, Acknowledge God in all your ways. Today we're not talking about practices yet. Today we're talking about if there was a list, if there was um, uh, some kind of like numbers, like do this step, this step, this step, this step, this would probably be, this would be number one, is to simply get into God's presence. I love... Um, the way that Dallas Willard says this. He says that get into God's presence and stay there. Right? Get into God's presence and stay there. And I want to encourage you today that getting into God's presence is simple. That's an encouraging thought. It's not hard. It's right there. And why is it simple? It's simple because you cannot get away from it. Okay? I love this ring that I wear. Right? I love this ring because it's a symbol of our love and undying affection. But mostly I love this ring because I can remind Amy when I'm doing something really stupid, right? Like something like um, I like to hold Nora, my 17-year-old, on my hands, both feet, and like to see how long I can balance her before she falls. And so when Amy walks in and she goes, ah, what are you doing, right? I love to remind her and say, you are bound to me legally forever, baby. This ain't going away, right? I love the reminder that we're together forever, right? And God is with us forever. Can we get to the scripture a little bit? Let's go to John 15. John 15, starting in verse 4, says this. Remain in me, and I remain in you. And I will remain in you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Remember that verse. We're coming back to it. The rest of it is so good, we're just going to finish it. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. If you remain in me... And my words remain in you. You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my disciples, my true disciples. This brings great glory to God. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. 
When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Verse 11, finishing here. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Isn't that just a beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture? And the recurring theme, the recurring words is remain in me. It's seen like 10 or 11 times in like less than like seven verses, right? Remain in me. Remain in me. My words remain in you, right? Verse 4, I told you to hold on to that. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Why is practicing being God's presence, what's encouraging about it? It's simple. So if we remain in God, he remains in us. He won't leave. Go back one chapter to John 14, and we're going to go down to verse 16. And it says, I will ask, this is Jesus again, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Skip down to verse 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. As we remain in Christ, he's left one, he's sent one back to us that remains in us. Right? The Holy Spirit. And so God's presence is right here in your life. At the moment of conversion, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Not for the outpouring, but for you. The comforter, the teacher, the protector. The internal voice that speaks to you and is knit to your soul. As we're rooted with Christ, as we bind ourselves to God, he binds himself to us. And he's always there. He will never leave. And so being with God, is e- being in Jesus's, being in God's presence is easy. Why? Because he's there. Psalms 139 says this, I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you are there. That makes sense. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell to the, in the farthest uh, oceans, even there your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become dark. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. Psalms 139, 7 through 12. As we're bound to Christ, he's bound to us. We can never escape his presence. It's there. It's waiting. He sits there. He's waiting for us to just turn back to him. I love the story of the prodigal son. The son that comes to the father and asks for his inheritance early and leaves and lives his life how he wants to live. And the father doesn't disown the son. He sits on his porch and watches, waiting for the son to come back. Waiting for him. God's waiting for us to turn our attention, our affection, our emotions, our eyes back to him. And he meets us quickly. As soon as we come. Because the thing is, he allows us to distract ourselves. He allows us to quiet his voice. It's there. Why don't I feel God's presence all the time? Because we distract instead of interact with God. When's the last time you guys were bored? Okay. 
Like, at any given moment, we have 20 emails to write, reply to. We have 20 texts to read. I have a shelf of books that I have to read. I have 20 episodes in my Netflix queue that I have to read. When was the last time that we were bored people, right? It's so easy to distract ourselves in this time. How many people fasted, rhetorically asking, who, who fasted and you fasted from social media or, social, uh, or your computer or your phone or TV or whatever? I had a lot of middle school kids, of, uh, they weren't willing to give up all video games, but they're willing to give up this one video game, right? So how many people fasted from distractions? And in the 21 days, the three weeks, you're like, wow, God's right here. Wow, I've never experienced God this well. Wow, the scripture just speaking to me. Wow, I'm noticing other people. Wow, I have so much more time. Wow, I feel so much more rested. We distract ourselves from God's presence and quiet the voice. But he just waits there and he sits on his front porch waiting for us to turn our affection back to him. It's not far away. It's right there. I love what Martin Luther King's, or not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther says it this way. Somebody asked him once, uh, how, what was he going to do the next day? And he said, work. Work, work, work. I have so much work, actually, that I have to start the day out with three hours of prayer. The more busy we become, the more we need God. And that's the trap I was falling into, the duty versus devotion, right? The more work, the busier life got, the more I fell into this lie that I just need to get up and get going and knock it out. If I just get up and get going, I don't have time for those 10 minutes with God. I don't have time for that presence. I I woke up late. I just got to leave. I just got to do this thing. Going to men's group is good. Going to women's group is good. Going to church is good. Putting on events, being in ministry, taking people out, all those things are good things. But you can do good things, but not the right thing, right? If we don't put God first, those other things will fall apart, and we move from devotion into a duty-focused life. So what is practicing God's presence? What does that actually look like for us? Because we've been talking about it a lot. We know that God's presence is here inside of us. So what's our response? What do we do? I love Dallas Willard. Pastor Brian, I know, read this to you last week. I want to read it to you again because it's so good. Dallas Willard says, The first and most basic thing we can and must do is keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct, and this is key, redirect our minds constantly to him. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns north. North? I'm not a Boy Scout. North. Right? Okay. (laughs) Redirect and redirect our minds to God. And eventually, bad habits of distraction can be broken and replaced with good habits of directing our minds to God. Just like a needle turns back to north every time. Uh, anybody know, familiar with Brother Lawrence? Couple? Okay. Brother Lawrence is awesome. I, I discovered Brother Lawrence in hearing sermons about this subject of being with God. And um, he, he is a 15th century uh, Parisian monk, okay? He was a soldier first, and then he got converted to Christ, and he went and devoted his life to seeking whatever that looked like to be 
Christ follower, and he went to a monastery, and because of his lack of education, he wasn't, a monk, he wasn't allowed to teach or do spiritual things. He was the monastery's dishwasher, okay, or potato peeler or cook, right? And so Brother Lawrence was this guy that just wanted to seek God, and he devoted his whole life to practicing the presence of God, okay? And he he did it in the worst kind of jobs. Like, I, I don't know, but like, I've been a dishwasher before, and that's a really terrible, thankless job, okay? Like, that's the place where you literally get everybody else's scraps, and you get the junk, and you have, and you're covered here. When you go home, your whole, your hands are all prunish because you're just soaking wet for eight, ten hours straight, and people are yelling at you because you need dishes back, and it's just such a thankless job. But Brother Lawrence practiced, and he persevered, and his sole purpose was to be in the presence of God always. And it got to a point where people started noticing and observing him and saying, wow, this guy's on to something. And they would start sending him letters, asking about what is it like to be in the presence of God, and they'd ask him questions, and they'd start these conversations. And Brother Lawrence was not one to write, but he wrote letters. And after he died, and years later, people gathered those letters and put them into a little book, called The Practice of the Presence of God. And this book, if I can encourage you, is an, is an amazing book. I, half of it is the letters. This isn't all of his, this is just half of this is his letters. And if you look at my notes, like the whole book is just pink, green, blue, yellow, because I highlighted so much of it. It's so good. Can I just read to you this about Brother Lawrence? This quote. The first and most basic thing, oops, sorry, that's Dallas Willard. And it was observed that in the greatest hurry of busyness in the kitchen, he still preserved his recollection and heavenly mindedness. He was never hasty nor loitering, but did each thing in its season with an even, uninterrupted composure and tranquility of spirit. The time of business, said he, does not with me differ from the time of prayer, The time of business, said he, does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in his great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. In the middle of the afternoon, during rush hour, with 100 or 15, I don't know how many monks are in a monastery, right? It, they're all hungry and asking for rabbit's feet or potatoes or gruel or whatever it is you eat in the 15th century. In the middle of getting plates out and washing dishes and peeling potatoes, it's as if Brother Lawrence was in his quiet place, the secret place, getting away on his knees before God and taking the holy sacraments. The most holy of time to these monks, and he's practicing the same type of presence with God, is in the hustle and bustle of the kitchen. That's what I want. I love that. God is with us in our chaos, right? God is with us in our bad situations. God's with us when we wake up on the wrong side of the bed. God is with us when we're in pain. God is with us when we're alone. God is with us when we are distracted. God is with us when we are fighting and in the wrong, right? God is with us when we are in an arguments, and God is with us when life seems terrible. Psalm said, even if I'm in the darkness and I command light to turn to darkness, your presence, I can't get away from it. In the chaos, God is with us, just like it is 
in our, in our quiet time. So what's the key? I love how he titles it. It's the practice of the presence of God. It's not a one-time thing. It's not something we just do now and then we got it, right? It's hard for me. I like accomplishing things. I make checklists at work and I check them off, right? And then after I check them off, I make a new checklist so I don't see the old things I accomplish. I'm ready for the new things I accomplish. Like, I just want to get it done, get through the list so I can go home and relax, right? I want to get it done. And sometimes I approach this, this duty versus devotion where I just want to get that thing done with God. I just want to can I just get into the presence one time and then I'll just be there, right? But he says this is the practice of the presence. Dallas Willard says we direct and we redirect our minds constantly to God. And so in the middle of the argument, stop and redirect your mind to God. In the middle of the chaos, we stop and redirect our mind to God. In the middle of our situation, we stop and we redirect our mind to God. I had a situation this past week where it was a conversation and with this individual. And I, uh, some things were said in jest, but taken out of context or taken poorly. And an argument started. And it got to the place where I said some things that were hurtful and they said some things that were hurtful. And we were going back and forth. And in the middle of this argument, knowing that I'm wrong, knowing that I'm saying things that I'm going to regret, I'm thinking... I'm preaching, I'm practicing the presence of God. How do I get to the presence right here, right now? And the argument ended, and I walked away, and a little bit while I came back, and I apologized. It's a good thing, right? Last year, I talked about dealing with conflict. I went through those steps myself. That's a weekly thing for me. And I walked through that, and at the end of my apology, I said something that was hurtful again to get the last word, right? And it just all started over again. And I'm thinking the whole time, I'm supposed to be practicing God's presence. I'm preaching on, pre I'm preaching on being in God's presence, and I can't even do it. Like, I can't even do it. And I get away from the argument, and I'm finally, I'm just sitting there with God, and I'm... <laughs> God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm preaching on this Sunday. What am I supposed to do? And he said, practice being in my presence. So I tried to isolate my mind. I tried to get to the place. I just gave him my thoughts. And Dallas Willard said, direct and redirect. Brother Lawrence says this in his book. I, I fell in the beginning stages of developing this habit. I fell regularly, but I rise often. We fall regularly, but we rise often. It's a practice. And so at the end, I come back and I said, you know, we resolved our differences. And I brought in a place where I'm thinking, God, just come and meet me right here. And remember what I said, it's not hard. It's simple. God's already dwelling with us. It is the practice of directing and redirecting our minds to God. It's not a matter of saying, God, come down from heaven into my situation. He's already there. It's a matter of saying, turning my thoughts from the situation to God. He's here with you, Christian. He's close to you. He's not just in your quiet time. He's not just on the mountain. He's not just at the uh, spiritual experience. He's not just here at church when you feel the emotions of worship or you're at the altar call. He's not just there. He's with you in every step, every moment, every aspect of your life. Rise, fall often, rise regularly. So where do we go with this?
I've been practicing being in God's presence. And the way I've been practicing the last couple of weeks and was, um, I was given the advice of practicing this way is that every day I've been practicing and aiming and making it my goal to find 10 minutes where it's just me and God. And I'll go and find that time and I'll find 10 minutes, just 10 minutes away. And I do not pray. I do not read my Bible. I do not meditate on things going on at church or in my life. I just simply sit and try to blank my mind. Jason Chin says when he does this practice that he tries to imagine window shield wipers. And as the rain's coming, he just keeps washing the thoughts back and forth till it's just a clear view. And to be honest with you, a lot of times it's not very, it's just 10 minutes of quiet. And sometimes my day is so busy where I sit and I set the timer and I start, okay, God, I'm here. And then I start thinking of things I have to do that day. And then all of a sudden the timer's going off. And I realize I didn't give him a second of my affection. Or sometimes I start the timer and I'm there and I'm just, oh, this is amazing. And I look down, I'm like, it feels like it's been forever. And it's, we're down to minute nine, right? And then the minutes just seem to lengthen and become, instead of 10 minutes, 10 hours. But I have had some encounters with God where I just sit and I feel like my whole day has been released and turned on end. I feel like those whole, those 10 minutes, for whatever reason, put me in the God's presence and put my thoughts, reset, recalibrated, put my soul in a place where I'm listening and asking from God, and it sets the rest of my day. So that's my practice this week, the last couple weeks, and for going on from here. I want to practice being in God's presence, and I'm doing that by just simply sitting for 10 minutes and saying, God, I'm here, and I'm listening. Can I encourage you to, Dallas Willard said, get in God's presence and stay there. How is it for you? How do you need to encounter God? Get into his presence and stay there. Practice, when I hear the word practice, it brings into my mind repetition or monotony, right? You do it over and over and over and over again. We talk about habits. It's a practice. We have to do it over and over and over and over again. And the struggle gets is sometimes it's hard. This is a long quote but it's so worth it. Stay with me. I think they're going to pull it up. Read along with me. This is by G.K. Chesterton. And he said this, Because children have abounding vitality, because they are fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. Or if you're Nora, you say more, 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 right? And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt a monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old. Our Father is younger than we. I encourage you this week to practice repetition. 
I encourage you this week to stay there, to get into God's presence and stay there. What does that look like to you? I have no official altar call at the end of this sermon because I don't know if there's one certain way to do this. How does it look for you? What are your distractions? Quiet those things. What voice in your mind speaks more loudly than God? What voice do you listen to over God's? In this bad situation, where do you run to? Quiet those things. I have a student last week that told me, two weeks ago, that told me that he's been practicing door prayers, where he comes up with a three-word prayer. God be with me. God save me whatever it is. And he says it over and over. And every time he walks through a door, he prays that little prayer. I've had professors that told me they practice breath prayers where they come up with a three-word phrase where every morning they just simply say that little prayer. It keeps them constantly in the presence of God. Pastor Brian, at the beginning of the fast, he told you that every time he took a bite of fruit, he'd pray to God. What is it for you that's going to get you into God's presence? Do it, and then repeat it, and then fall, and then rise regularly, and do it again, and again, and again, and again. Pretty soon, you're going to be living God's presence. It may not be life-shattering every day. It may not be life-changing every day. But do you want to miss the days that will change your life? Do you want to miss the days that being in God's presence sets everything and you have an crazy encounter that you never would have had if you didn't practice it? Psalm 16, 11 says this. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. I want Jesus' life. And to get that life, I have to live the lifestyle. But to get there, I have to be with God. I have to be with Jesus. I have to be with the Holy Spirit. I was thinking about this with the apostles, and we're going to be coming to you close with this thought. The rest of the band can come forward. Is this. The disciples, there's like, I don't know, 20 or 30 or something like that passages where Jesus passes a disciple and just says, follow me. Right, and all these Talmudim are following Jesus. And that was an awesome thing to do, right? You're there with your teacher, your rabbi, and you're there in the middle of it, right? You're seeing him teach, and then you're getting away, and you're getting the commentary, you're getting the in-depth understanding, and you're with Jesus and seeing how we, you're seeing all the miracles firsthand. That's amazing. But you know a lot of the majority of their time was just walking with God, walking with Jesus from this crowd to this crowd, or walking and just talking and just going to wedding feasts and going to parties and going and eating dinner with other people. And a lot of the time of being a disciple with God for the disciples was just simply being with him. It starts there. Be with him. This is the last thought, and then we're going to open the altars. When I first started dating Amy, I went to a Christian school, and they had a lot of rules about how you could um, interact with the opposite sex when you're dating. And so you couldn't, you know, girls could only come over on certain days on the weekends, and there's curfews, and you had to chaperones and stuff like that. And so one of the few ways that we could actually be alone was to go for a walk, right? 
And that's why uh, in the middle of winter around Bethel College, there's a lot of students walking in the snow because they're just trying to get away to be alone, right? And so I remember, though, that we would go on a walk, and we weren't watching TV. We weren't on our phones. A lot of times we weren't talking at all. It's just nice to be in each other's presence and just walking. It's really easy. It's really simple. It's really hard. (laughs) Get into God's presence. What does that look like for you? Stay there. Fall often. Rise regularly. We're going to end with prayer. The altar team is going to come forward. If you need prayer today, come on up and get prayer. If you need to get away and just spend some time talking to God, you can kneel down at the altars and nobody will disturb you. Stay in your chair. Um, Like I said, there's no official altar call. There's no official altar ending today. How is God talking to you? As the band leads us, spend the first verse just asking God how he's talking to you and process this information. And so let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you, God, for your people. I pray these words would equip and restore and not discourage or prevent people from coming to you, God. I pray you would just speak to our hearts right now clearly. What does it look like, God, to be in your presence? I pray you help us to be a people that practices repetition that just stays there. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We turn our affections and our heart to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Braden.